Will you bow your heads and pray with me? Lord, take my lips and speak through them. Take our ears and hear through them. Take our minds and think through them. And take our hearts and set them on fire with love for thee. Amen. I got to know Jane in a previous parish where I was serving. Jane was in her 50s. She had a very close relationship with her mother. They would come to church together and then go get lunch every Sunday. They would, on Friday evenings, regularly go to the movies together. Jane's mother had this great tradition. She liked to have scavenger hunts for her grandchildren, but especially for her daughter, Jane. She would, if there was a birthday, hide presents around the house and then send her family to go find them. Apparently, she would not only do this for birthdays, but any holiday she could think of, Easter, Christmas, your half-birthday. She loved these scavenger hunts. When Jane's mother was diagnosed with cancer, it shook Jane to the core. It progressed rapidly, it was painful, and Jane's mother quickly died. Jane's whole life was thrown off kilter, and she came to meet with me. She told me how she couldn't understand why bad things happen to good people. She couldn't understand why God would allow this. She told me, I have so much doubt right now. I have so much doubt. All of us face doubts at some point in our lives. And the question is, what will we do when we face these doubts? Today we heard about Thomas, the disciple. Thomas has a nickname, but the nickname the Bible gives him is the twin. And somehow in the centuries since Thomas lived, we've given him the nickname Doubting Thomas, as though his doubt indicated there was something deficient with his character or something wrong with him. But when you read through Scripture, we see that Thomas was a faithful and committed follower of Christ. At one point, Jesus set out to walk towards Jerusalem, and the disciples knew there would be danger that direction. And I suspect that some of them at least had a moment where they thought, do we want to walk into this danger? But Thomas spoke up, and Thomas said, let us go with him, that if he dies, we may die also. Thomas was a man of great faith and great commitment, but he also had doubts. And I suspect that Thomas's doubts are not totally foreign to us. Thomas must have wondered, could God really come into the world? Is the strength of God's love so great that God was able, able to overcome the power of death? Could this be true? You see, doubt is inevitable for us. And the question is, how will we respond when we face doubts? 
And we can look to Thomas to see the example he set and three specific concrete actions that Thomas took that we can take also. First of all, when Thomas faced doubt in his life, he continued to show up with the other followers of Jesus, with the other disciples. He continued to show up. From the very beginning of Scripture, it's clear that we are meant to be in relationship with one another. As a matter of fact, we are referred to as the body of Christ. If you go all the way back to the first chapter of Genesis, God is forming the earth and separating the the land from the water and forming the sun and the moon and the stars and the plants and the animals, and God keeps saying, it is good, it is good, it is good, it is good. And the first time God says something is not good in the Bible is right after God creates Adam, God says, it is not good that man should be alone. It is not good for any of us to be alone. Jesus knew this in his ministry. He didn't call one disciple. He called 12. He called a community around him. And then when it came time for Jesus to send these disciples out to share the good news of God's love and God's grace, if I were in Jesus' shoes, I at that point would have taken a grid and drawn it on the map and and sent out the disciples one by one, each to their own place to maximize the ground they could cover. But not Jesus. Jesus sent the disciples out in pairs. It is not good for any of us to be alone. Even in the divine being, there's a dance, a relationship between God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We are told again and again that we are meant to be in relationship with one another. And tragically, during this pandemic, we saw this so powerfully as so many of us were cut off and and separated from those we care about. The rates of, of adult depression tripled in the first few months of this pandemic. Child abuse went through the roof. Calls to suicide hotlines ballooned. We are meant to be with one another. We're meant to gather with the other disciples, the other followers of Christ. That's the first thing we're called to do when we face doubts. Second of all, we're called to be honest and vulnerable with what we're experiencing. The first time that Jesus appeared in this locked upper room, Thomas wasn't there. We're not told where he was, it's speculation, but I imagine it could have been Starbucks or maybe he went to the gym, but for for whatever reason, he wasn't there. And when he returned, these other disciples, his friends, told him a story that he couldn't even begin to wrap his mind around. They told him that Jesus had appeared And he said, unless I see the marks in his hand and place my finger in in these marks and my hand in his side, I will not believe. Thomas showed strength in this moment. He showed courage to be willing to be vulnerable with this community. You and I are also called to have 
communities with, with which we can be faithful and honest and vulnerable. We're called to have discipleship groups. As a matter of fact, Kate has been talking to us on the clergy and staff about the importance of us each being a part of a small group. If you want to find out more about this, please come talk to one of the clergy. It is so important for all of us to have a place where we can be honest and vulnerable with those around us. Do you know the best way to never get an answer to a question? It's to never ask the question. We need to have spaces where we can talk to those who are also disciples, who are also followers of Christ. This is the second thing we see Thomas do when he doubts. And third of all, we're called to make space to listen to the voice of God. I heard a story recently about a husband who thought that his wife was losing her hearing a little bit. So one evening while he was sitting in front of the TV and his wife was in the next room, he decided to test this out. So he shouted to his wife, Honey, can you bring me a beer? There was no response. He got up and he went to the kitchen door. His wife was standing at the window looking out over the yard. And he said, Honey, can you bring me a beer? Again, there was no response. So the husband came up and stood right over his wife's shoulders and said, Honey, can you bring me a beer? To which she replied, For the third time, you can get your own beer. Sometimes we don't hear the voice of God because we don't make space in our life to hear God's voice. We fill our schedules with so much busyness and distraction and noise that there isn't a space where we can just sit and listen. Frankly, I know that I'm guilty of this. Sometimes I want to fit as much into my schedule as possible and I'll schedule everything back to back to back so I'm running from one appointment to the next. And when I go for a walk or a run or I'm driving somewhere, I'll make phone calls, I'll listen to books on tape, I'll listen to the radio. But even I don't sit in silence very often. Probably not as often as I should. How about you? Do you set time aside to read the Bible, to read devotionals, to pray, to meditate, to simply sit in silence? When Jesus showed up a second time in this upper room, Thomas didn't speak at first, but he listened. Jesus first spoke to all the disciples, and then he turned his attention to Thomas, and he said, Thomas, t take your fingers and put them in the marks in my hand. Take your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but Believe. Believe. You and I need to make sure that in our lives we're fostering this broad understanding of belief. Belief is not about going through life without ever having doubts. Belief is not the opposite of doubt. Belief instead is how we respond, what we do when we do have doubts. Last week, Kate summarized this point so well. She told us to 
not be afraid to peer into the darkness. Or as we read in in John's gospel, a light has shined in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. So if you find yourself in a space where you are shrouded by, by uncertainty, where you are in the darkness of doubt, do not be afraid. Instead, learn from the example of Thomas, who first of all continued to show up, who second of all was honest and vulnerable with a group where he had developed trust, and third of all, who listened for the voice of God. Jane talked to me quite extensively about her doubts, but she began to pray with other followers of Jesus. She began to be honest and vulnerable with a small group who she could pray and talk with. She knew that she would eventually have to go into her mother's house and clean it and organize it, but she was terrified at first. Eventually, she walked into the darkness of that house. She began to clean in the foyer of the house, and there on a bookshelf, as she was cleaning, she saw a box behind the books. She took the books out and and saw this box was wrapped in wrapping paper, so she opened it, and she found a sapphire ring inside, and she found a note. The note said, Jane, I'm setting you on the greatest scavenger hunt that I've ever had. This ring was your grandmother's. I've had it resized for you. I love you. As Jane went around cleaning the house over the following weeks, she kept finding surprises from her mother, each with a, with a note attached. She found her favorite bottle of wine hidden in the kitchen with a little note. She found a new pair of shoes that her mother had bought her and hidden under one of the beds. And then as she was cleaning her mother's bedside table in a drawer, she found neatly wrapped her mother's Bible. It had a note with it. It said, this book has brought me so much peace and purpose in my life. I hope you know that I love you and that God loves you. When we enter the moments of uncertainty, of doubt in our lives, we need to remember that's not a condemnation, but an opportunity to follow in the example of Thomas, and in the end, to find this assurance of God's love, this assurance that my friend Jane found through her mother's words along with this Bible. Amen.